Greetings, salutations, and all those fun little things to say when people are here. That's the song. Hey. Hi, guys. Welcome to What's for Dinner. Hope you are having a wonderful Tuesday. Mine is, uh, I can't tell you right now because I'm not recording this on a Tuesday, but my Friday is going great. Uh, this is episode 158, part one, with Carrie Snow. Uh, Carrie is a, a very funny comedian. I'm working with her up here in Lake Tahoe at the Improv, having a, a really great time. And Carrie uh, is a, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, veteran? Is that the word? Veteran meaning she has been around since uh, she started in the late 70s and she's still going strong, which is, uh, it, it warms my heart that, uh, that, that comedy can still, you know, keep you going no matter your age, when you started, whatever. Comedy is that, that fucking fuel. So um, Carrie and I, we talked about a lot of road stories, a lot about uh, when she started some cool stories about the Bay Area and San Francisco when she started. Also, uh, I tell a little uh, a little story. I don't I don't think I've ever told it on this show, but a little uh, story about me on the road with a young lady. Um, so a lot of fun stories. And it's part one, because at the end, uh, we're, we're actually getting ready to go to a show right now. And she said, well, I want to talk more about stories. So she's going to come back later during the week, and we're going to have part two next week. So it's cool to check that out. And if you guys also want to see me, and who wouldn't, uh, coming up this week, got some fun shows on 18th, this Thursday on the 18th, I'll be at Flappers Comedy Club, and then 19th and 20th, I'm going to be at JR's Comedy in uh, Valencia, and then next week on the 23rd, I'll be doing one show at the Ventura Harbor Comedy Club, and then on the 25th, I'm going to be with Dana Carvey at the Ice House, and again with Dana on the 28th at Flappers in Burbank, so a lot of great shows coming up. And I hope you guys can get out there and see them. But now, enough of my rambling. Sit back, enjoy episode 158 of What's for Dinner with Carrie Snow. Bye bye. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. That's it. We're on our way. We're rolling. Well,. I hope they've cleaned the stink out of the room from my set last night. So clean the what? Clean the stink out of the room from my set. You didn't. You didn't have a bad set last night. There was there were thirty six people in that huge room. So you know, years ago George Wallace was opening for Tom Jones in Vegas, and I got to go see him. It was before I'd ever worked in Vegas, and he explained to me after he goes. If only half the people like you in a thousand-person room, you're still going to sound okay. Yeah. I don't even think I had 18 of those people is what I'm trying to you tell did. you. You did. I know. You you're did. Sweet. You're too hot on yourself, Dottola. Oh, well, if I wasn't, who's going to be? Uh, true. We're comics. We have to be hard on yeah. ourselves. Yeah. I know. We, uh, there, we, we are that certain breed that it's never enough. Isn't that weird? There can be 600 people laughing, spitting up through their teeth. And one person with their arms crossed, and you want to go to their house, bake for them, <laughs> maybe do a little mending, and find out why. And they find didn't out like why. You. They yeah, weren't. why didn't you like me? It 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 seems like that that uh, issue with us crosses over, uh, not just in when we're in performing live. It also crosses over in career. It crosses over in our personal life. It's it's which is why. As artists, we're able to be so easily controlled. At least we were, you know. Right. Um, I'm a little better. You know, they talk about how women say I'm sorry all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I know the most chick-like comics, which is so cool. My good memory of Andrew Dice Clay is once 
he told me we were working in Vegas, and he said the biggest decision he had that day was whether to wear the red belt <laughs> or the black patent leather belt. And when my husband told me that he was wearing his fat pants, well, if I could have loved him anymore, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that was possible. Because there's something about just being a comic that makes you more vulnerable. I think so, yeah. I think it's more, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I know when I first started, um, Your my testicles hadn't descended when you first started. Not really. No, <laughs> not so much. We're waiting for that. Yeah, very pretty, by the way. Uh, with <laughs> the <laughs> well, I mean, we're in Tahoe, and there's like, you know, oh, sinus and everywhere. elevation, and you know. Carrie just picked her nose with I a clean. I didn't pick it. I I was Cleaned dabbing it. gently. <laughs> and then I'm going to show you my Auntie Rosie, oh, my great aunt. <clears throat> this was the summertime. Was um, no wintertime was upper sleeve. Summertime between her boobs. What do you get sweaty in the boobs in the summer? Well, that's what the Kleenex is for. It's oh, doing do a double duty. Oh, so wait, she'd get sweaty there and then dab her? Whatever it is. You know, my boobs have their own weather going <laughs> on in the summertime. <laughs> I remember a friend trying to throw um, popcorn into my shirt once and going, oh my God, it's got its own gravitational pull. <laughs> they were bigger, I swear. And I think that I'm so normal now, and guys are still like, um, what's that cartoon where the, the the foxes or the wolves' eyes go? Oh whoa, yeah, 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 whoa, whoa. With the big. And I just think I'm blending, you know. I think I'm just. Well, I haven't I haven't tried to look at your boobs, well. but I'll, I'll give them a gander. They're not bad. They're nice. Oh, they're lovely. They're and very, very lovely. Doctor Larry is very proud. Oh really? Still, yeah, <laughs> because he told me um, I had him done in like '91. And I went in in 2001 to get a little, because, you know, I graduated from high school in 71, if you're doing the math. And so right before my high school reunions is when you have to do stuff. To make yourself look a little uh, yeah. and So 2001, I went and saw him and got a little Botox between my eyes. Now I've decided to wear bangs. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. And I, I decided against Botox. I said, should I get a cord of firewood or get Botox? And I, I went for firewood, you know more ambiance because I yeah, figure I, in that I, light I look better <laughs> anyway, you know. And so um, I went and saw him and I made my plastic surgeon cry because I told him that having a normal body for five minutes kept me from killing myself when I gained the 100 pounds back from Optifast and two plastic surgeries. Mm -hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. You don't do a project like that. It was like a two-year vision quest, <laughs> you know, I do, without the mushrooms, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's nice when you can make uh, a professional Cry. Uh, burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to, because uh, I was doing a little research on. First of all, I read that New York uh, that article that you gave. L.A. Times. The L.A. Times. I'm sorry. Uh, very cute. Very cute. Fun story. I've talked on the show about how Allison and I met, and I love when comics have that kind of uh, fun first meeting. Uh, yeah. event that well, happens. We both met our significant others at, at the Melrose, Melrose Improv. Improv. Yeah, which is yeah. also very cool. Back when it was still the Melrose Improv. Yeah. And not... Well, who was it? Were you telling me that they're thinking of opening up the front of the building again? To oh, make they have. that amazing they, they, hang they've again? They have, but uh, it's... Uh, for those who don't know, the Melrose Improv um, went through a complete renovation and uh, it looks classier i guess is nice but it took away the character well, of the you know, maybe uh, of they the could place. Have just like wipe the walls down and uh, left some of the i think they could have just left it as is and change is hard you Ch know yeah i try not to be bitter in the sense of i know it's somebody's good old days 
somebody's having a great time and meeting their, a friend that they're going to know for the rest of their life. At like, the improv now. Yeah, or somebody, that, you know, that, that, you know, we can make new friends. But there's something about that, you know, you first get to town, you're, you've got a big L for loser <laughs> on your forehead, and you meet somebody else with a distinguishable L, mm-hmm. and you go to Cantor's. Ah, love the Cantor's. Yeah, but I it's it's just sad to think that the improv that was the improv the evening at the improv improv, the classic picture of Leno in the center of the uh, crowd in the late seventies with this pipe improv, is not that improv anymore. No. And like you said, change happens, but it's it's it it, it was very it was very horrible, hard. horrible. Yeah, and we went and tried it when they and I did a show with Jackie Cation because I said, my God, this show is so great. I'd love to go. And five minutes later, she private messaged me and said, hey, two people fell out. You want to do it? So I got to do it. And where they fed you in through the workshop and Mm -hmm. the bar looked like a hotel bar. Yeah, yeah. And everybody looked so sad and they were inside. Yeah. So sad. I know. I know. There was just something to that that original bar, which like I said, I think they're – because I think whatever restaurant they put in there initially didn't work, so the improv is taking it over again. Excuse me, and they're at, they're trying to add some more comic pictures, and you know, making it a little more comic friendly, which is good. And maybe food that people might like. Maybe food that people can afford. Refreshing. Yes. I was at the improv so long ago when I first showcased for Bud. Wait, you know? when did you first uh, get out there? I think it. I came down from the Bay Area, and. It was $13 for a flight from L.A., San Francisco to L.A. because of Prop 13. So it was like 79, I guess. Okay. And um, I had a manager who, after he rocketed me to stardom, um, went to fixing shoes. (laughs) And a really nice guy, though. (laughs) And when my car broke down on the the San Francisco side of uh, the bridge, they would take me back to San Francisco, AAA, and I'd end up sleeping on their couch. <laughs> I used to hope that my car would make it to Treasure Island so that I could at least get dropped off in Oakland, where <laughs> I lived. And uh, and I remember going to the you know the Improv and seeing Bud, and it was out in the in the show in the in the bar area, mm-hmm. you know, because the showroom had caught on fire. I, I'm I, not I'm sure if it was a Jewish barbecue <laughs> or not. I remember I read about that in the um uh oh what was it There's And Bud hit- heckled me. My Bud first heckled you really? My first set. Yeah. Wait, so so wait, the showroom caught on fire. So you were performing in the bar area in when the they had a little state uh, stage. Yeah, which set is up. the same place I met Terry. It's my lucky spot. Lucky spot. So uh so Bud heckled you really? Yes, he did. I just I said something to I don't remember what it was, but I just remember sort of being shocked that he was, you know, <laughs> talking back to me. <laughs> Hello, get off the stage. An, uh, an early uncabaret with uh Miss Beth Lapitas. Beth Lapitas. She yep. asked me to come by and I said, Are you still uh talking to people from a microphone on the stage? And she goes, Less <laughs> And it's like, Oh but mm. I can have a conversation now. At the time, it used to many years ago it would throw me. Ah, uh, I could I could see that. Uh-huh. So uh, so you came down to LA in '79 and showcased. And um, who were some of the people that well, you were? Well, it was after the strike, and so I got in at the comedy store. I didn't know about the strike, and then when the, there was a comics union, mm-hmm. that it was a lot of Jewish kids that didn't get to be officers in high school. <laughs> and you know, neither did I. I lost the election to a friend who had a skirt up to her pupik. <laughs> pupik. Pupik. Is that a Jewish pussy? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, very high, very high. I see. And, um, but I got over it. Well, apparently not, if I still remember her. And Did anybody they pop her nickel? Me beca- it was like a catch-22. I couldn't work at their clubs because 
um, I hadn't been there for the strike. You know, I was still taking urine samples at Kaiser. I couldn't really get away. <laughs> so you're talking about the comedy store? Yeah, okay. the strike at the comedy store. So I got in there, and I did the Ice House in Pasadena, and I got past there, and it was just like I would go back to San Francisco and be such a better comic. And I remember I, I took a leave of absence from Kaiser, I think, in 80, before I, you know, uh, fell into the male strip show, as it were. <laughs> and it was that spring, and I took two months off. I had to get a doctor's note. I didn't get two doctors, which meant I could have gotten disability. I just <laughs> wanted to get away for a couple months. And I went down to L.A. to see how I liked, if I'd like being a comic full time. And you know what? It was great. It was great. You stayed out late and met great people. And even though I wasn't getting spots all the time, they would let me in and I could sit in the back. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, so you were welcomed pretty uh pretty well easily. there weren't that many women um in fact i was telling somebody i think diane nichols i was telling her a story the other day how i uh when i was emceeing at the mel strip show i was getting medi-cal because i had no income i quit my day job and i was getting paid like off the books 50 bucks which now i would be thrilled if somebody gave me 50 <laughs> bucks to walk in you know a club and especially a male strip club exactly oh please i should have paid them <laughs> and I remember um, there was an article about a bunch of comedians in the Sunday L.A. Times, and I was one of them, um, you know, uh, uh, how, who else? You know, I think Carol Liefer, mm -hmm. um, Elaine Boozler, a few. Well, I think I had the only Medi-Cal caseworker in Oakland, California, who read the Sunday L.A. Times <laughs> because she sent me a copy of the article, and it said that I made a living, you know, uh, emceeing the male strip show. And so um, she just high-lit it. And so I didn't get Medi-Cal anymore. Oh, wow. Well, my mother scared me. She'd said that if I got in a car accident, they could take their house if I didn't have insurance or something like that. So. Yeah, but did you tell them that you were only making 50 bucks a show? Well, apparently, I was working six days a week. I was making pre a pretty good living at the time. Oh, my God. Think about it. <laughs> and I only got fired once from the male strip show. Well, for what reason did you get fired Because from it was a Sunday and God's we day. usually didn't work on Sundays. And because it was a Monday holiday, they had us come in on a Sunday. And, um, and I just casually mentioned that the star of the show looked kind of like a young Robert Redford on roller skates. And he used the name Jeff Snow. He used my name and he used to tell people he was my son even though he was older than me. <laughs> um, but I outweighed him. And he was having an affair with the woman ran, who ran the club, whose boyfriend owned the club and the Condor and a bunch of other clubs on Broadway in San Francisco. And I, I think I'd been at a party that day, and I'm not a big drinker, but I had a glass of wine. And I announced at the show that not only was he the star of the show, but he had the smallest penis of anyone. And he wouldn't come out from backstage. Mm -hmm. And the other MC, a guy named Riff Hutton, an actor who, uh, he was the, the guy the cute black guy with the mustache in the um in the kentucky fried chicken ads um, when they quit using the colonel um he was on doogie hauser he still acts and i okay. see him every once in a while um he had to go talk to him and have a man-to-man -man chat about you know because i was trying to save money to move to la and so i got hired back it was never the same oh really but so but he never came out that sh did, well, did 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 um I mean, somebody else subbed for him. There were like 15 <laughs> guys in their underpants waiting at the ready backstage. And nobody knew who no, the difference. Nobody knew who it was. Um, there also, there was a downstairs dressing room, 
And they had to have security guards because these crazy women were trying to get into the stripper's dressing room. They were apparently selling suitcases full of meth out out of the room, (laughs) making, they were making, you know, each tip was 50 bucks. Women were throwing money at them. Most of them had erectile dysfunction after a few months because they'd never been treated as objects before. So that was funny. Mm. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I know um, the feeling. As I said in a story, nobody wanted to. But one guy came out as a clown. As a clown? As a clown stripper. And nobody wanted to. to he didn't make very much money, poor thing. Riff, of course. I, I just see a balloon animal joke somewhere. Exactly. Um, but he didn't, it wasn't even that funny. Riff <laughs> had, Riff wore a tuxedo and his music was off the wall. And he was the smart actor who would sub for me because one of the conditions of my employment was that I could go to L.A. for real work, you know, or travel or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. And so when did you make the full-time move to L.A.? Sometime, I think, in 19... 19- 81, 80, 81. So you, I kept a place in the Bay Area and I would go back and forth. I used to take naps at the Carl's Jr. in Kettleman City, <laughs> which is like halfway. Between, yeah. I'd like finish a show in the middle of the night in LA or San Francisco and then take a nap and then get up and do morning radio in the Bay Area. Wow. Something like that. And I would set an alarm. I had a comforter and the guy at the uh, gas station would watch my car to make sure nobody bothered me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so you really uh, I was I was a road dog. You were yeah. a road dog, absolutely. And you were there so you were there like in the boom. Like when it re- when when the comedy boom really happened. Robin was already famous. And I remember taking a class in the end of 77 at a church. I'd heard something on the radio about comedy starting and all this. And there comedy was a starting. So comedy just the burgeoning comedy of, of the movement. club. Because up till then, comedy was no just clubs, done in like discos. Really. I mean, and there was the zoo that I had just heard about, and there was a church near the down near Union Square, and I forget the name. Other people could, and I was going to take a comedy class from Frank Kidder, but he was out being fabulous, and so Jose Simone, who started Comedy Day, was the really? teacher. And I remember going down to that church, and there were just a few students there, and a friend who'd driven me was there because well, I don't think I had a car, and. Um, and then all these people started coming down around 8 o'clock. I mean, the place all of a sudden had 100 people, and then Robin showed up. And it was pretty magical. It reminded me, later I found out, about Lenny Bruce did a, a, a sold-out show at Carnegie Hall during a blizzard in New York where the entire city was shut down. And the city was so quiet, and then all of a sudden thousands of people came up from the subways because they weren't going to just let some skanky weather keep them from Lenny Bruce. And that's, wow. it, it's the same feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of like these people came out of nowhere, a hundred people to see Robin. Just like by drums beating. <laughs> there was no internet. There was no... It was just this kind of grassroots thing that everybody just heard about. Exactly. Wow. Somebody called somebody. You know, this is back when they had phone trees. <laughs> phone trees? Yes, where people would have lists of people that they would call. Oh, I got you. You know, like churches and schools and stuff like gotcha. that. So I don't even think it was that organized. Wow. So, uh, so, so okay. So you you really witnessed kind of the uh, the birth and explosion of it all. There and was, there were no other women. It was all guys. I'd go on on Tuesday at the Holy City Zoo, and after I'd done it like a f- two months worth of Tuesdays, and I kept coming back and I kept writing, they asked me to come back on a Sunday or Monday. And I really thought I'd made it. I said, you know, 
Can't get any better than this. I was working at Kaiser on the weekends and as a float a little during the week, and I thought this comedy is great, and I still have my weekends free. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. My weekends free. Yeah, to That's... take urine samples. Right, right. Because as a comic, you you uh, always have your weekends free. Yeah. Yeah. Never work in the weekends. I had no idea. I did. There was no week-long comedy club in San Francisco. It was before everything. So what was the punchline? The first one, first official Igby's. And that didn't Igby's start. Um, no, Igby's is L.A. That was in West L.A. I th- oh, I thought... And Cobb's wasn't open. Oh, Cobb. Cobb's, Cobb's wasn't open even. It may have started. But it was in a place... And, you know, to bring back Lenny Bruce again. Please. He talked about places called... He called them toilets when you had to walk past the bathroom to get on the stage. Right. And that's exactly what the original Cobb was, Cobb's was. So it wasn't in the building it is now? No, no. Okay. It was this tiny little spot. And, um, well, you had to walk past the toilet to get the stage. I think there's some there there's there's some kind of a cool charm to that. I think I remember I remember the old Melrose or uh, Melrose be- before the old did. bathrooms. Yeah, like you because going to the showroom. If those bathrooms could have talked, well, that's why they had to remodel them because they were probably screaming. <laughs> Things must have happened there. Oh, I'm sure. Listen, Kinnison and his whole crew used to sleep on the stage of the store of, of at the Westwood Comedy Store, which was really great. Um, I never did. knew that one. I. The first time I ever went there was with a comic, Ollie Joe Prater, who blessed. Oh, his Ollie Joe, a big guy, big beard. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I used to see his headshots. All I still do sometimes at the clubs. And I drew the week once he worked at a club in South Carolina the week before me and told everybody to come see me. So I had his crowd, and it was just a nightmare. Oh, really? Yeah, they had to add an extra show, and I, I just don't think I was as drunk as they wanted me to be. You know, it was all <laughs> well, his I heard, crowd. I heard story Ollie, which is. Shot, 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 well, shot. And bless his heart, he died very young yeah. and incredibly obese. Somebody used to, he left his treadmill, and I used to call it his lucky treadmill. <laughs> Poor guy. But was, was he the, and, and I'm sorry to, just, I, I heard, I'm not sure if it was him, but somebody told me that there was a comic that was so obese that he would literally be on stage from the beginning of the show with like a tarp or a blanket on him, and then when they introduced the headliner, I think that might have been. was that Ollie, yeah, and they just removed. Yeah, he couldn't get on and off at, at yeah. towards the end, but he kept working. That's the testament mm-hmm. to stand up keeping you alive against all okay. that is right and prudent. But I remember driving him from Sunset to the Westwood Comedy Store. And going, wow, that place is lit up like a fucking church. And it was the Westwood Mormon Temple. <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea. And it was Christmas time. <laughs> it was the first time I went there. But um, <clears throat> I still remember a show, like maybe 82, something like that. And I'd done Sunset and then run over and closed a show in Westwood. And it was like that Thanksgiving, Friday or Saturday. It was packed. I'd had hecklers on the side. I had dispatched them promptly and beautifully and after the show i'm talking to these guys and going out in the back and smoking a joint because well that's the kind of girl i am and i said to this one kid and he was a kid i go you know you look just like that kid from um the movie and it was the movie um uh uh now i'm now i'm forgetting it was tim hutton's movie ordinary people okay and it turns out apparently it was tim hutton (laughs) And it was before the movie really hit, so it was the fall that the movie was coming out. And so he and his friends and I were laughing and talking. He ends up coming with me over to Joanne Deering's apartment. And there's, you know, because everybody would get together at her place. And uh, she said, Carrie, could you come with me for a moment? And started screaming, you brought Tim Hutton to my house. You know, so she still thinks I'm kind of a goddess. (laughs) Just from that. Why? I could see why. And he's aged pretty beautifully. 
Mo- you know, a lot of them have. He was married to, um, you know, the girl from um, Urban Cowboy. What was her name? She used to waitress. Oh, um, uh, uh-huh. uh, from a. Uh, Terms of Endearment, Jessica, not Jessica. Uh, no, no, it wasn't Terms of Endearment. She wasn't in term? called Terms of Ensmearment. Oh, yeah, Deborah Winger. Deborah Winger. Okay. Yeah, she was in Terms of Endearment as well, wasn't was she? Was that her? Yeah. yeah. I guess it was. Yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. Urban Cowboy. I remember. All that. Okay. I actually saw that once when I was a kid. I, I Officer just remember. Officer a Gentleman. And she talked later about how the scene when they were having sex and she was crying. She was crying because she hated him so much. Richard Gere. Really? Yeah. But apparently, you know, she said men love it when you cry when you have sex. Well, I'll tell you another story. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you this story. I was. Oh. You know what the funny thing is, is that you're such a little perv, and you oh. think you're such a nice guy, and it's like. Well, no, I'm an I'm a nice guy. You got to remember. You got to. What you have to know about me is, I was a very awkward kid, very awkward teenager. No, ne- comic yes. was awkward. I know. Never had a never never had um was good with the women until I started doing stand up and I started getting more confident in myself and. You know, you, you know, you make somebody laugh with the opposite sex. Boom, they love you. So I'm working in Atlanta at the punchline. It's line. different with women. Not nec- No, it's not. No. Maybe I, now, when men used to come up to me and in England, a guy said, well, you certainly were thinking on your feet up there. That was his idea of a big hit online. It's not the same. Trust me. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. But I, I know so a lot of guys who find confidence. You're getting more confidence. So I'm working in Atlanta with Larry the Cable Guy. And this is... This is bef- just before the uh, blue collar movie hit, so uh, or came out. So he was still working clubs, and um, I meet this girl um, who basically I found out uh, was came to see Larry, but through a wait, one of the wait staff said she she thinks you're really cute. So we end up going you to this. You, Larry, the cable guy. I don't see the difference at all, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well that's another story. Um, so me and this girl, we go to this bar. And we end up taking a cab back to the hotel. And so we're up in the room. We start fooling around. I'm fucking her. And as I'm fucking her, she goes, oh, fuck me like you don't know me. Fuck you like me. Fuck me like you don't know me. And I was this close. And I was about to say, well, I don't. (laughs) So I guess I am. But right, like literally a couple seconds later, she started crying as she said it. She's going, fuck me like you don't know me. And that was not a turn on. Can I, yeah, again. See, at least your brain and your penis are somewhat attached. Some, yeah, I mean, I have a heart. I can't just, you know, like, oh, good, you're. this is bothering you in some way. Let me finish, and then we'll discuss. So, you know, she, oh. she tells me that she just, she's never done something like this before, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I am a nice guy, so I'm like, okay, we, we'll, we'll just go to bed. The next day, though, <laughs> next day, I didn't have a car, hence why I took a cab. And her ride, she had a ride there with a guy who essentially, I guess, was wanted to be with her, but she went with me, so he wasn't anyone to call. So I call Larry's room. <laughs> hey, Larry, <laughs> hey. could you get this skank out of my <laughs> no, room? We go, hey, uh, hey, buddy, uh, it's Flip. He goes, hey, Flip, what's up? I go, hey, somebody wants to talk to you. And she gets on the phone. She goes, hey, Larry. So she gives me the phone back, and Larry goes, well, this is a first. The headliner brings a girl, and the feature fucks her. <laughs> but to his credit, he let me borrow his car to drive her home. Yeah, that's so. nice. But, um, yeah, so the point of that story is uh, crying while being fucked is not necessarily a turn on. And that's one to grow on. Boom, 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 boom. Um, do you have any fun little road? Because that, that's the thing. You never hear women... Uh, telling you know, about there's certain conquests. cities that I never got lucky in. San Diego was not beautiful for me. Really? Yeah. 
Where, at, where was the lucky city? I well, anywhere else. Um, <laughs> I and um, I remember taking a guy back to the condo because everybody was going back to L.A. Well, then they decided not to, and a comic was. Um, I had a, a young gentleman. And he was sleeping in the other room because actually um, a couple of guys said, should I tell you that Bill Engvall and I kissed in Dallas in like the early 80s? And he didn't think we should sleep together because I lived out of town. And I said, that's exactly why we should. He's so sweet. We're still friends. And um, Wait, wait, wait. Say that again? A, a male comic said he kissed Bill Engvall? I kissed Bill Engvall. Oh, sorry. Was I, I not explaining myself correctly? I, I got confused for a second. I kissed Bill Engvall, and I'd never seen Fireflies before for some reason, and so I got to see Fireflies with him. Oh, that's um, sweet. But, yeah, it was sweet. He, you know, took a pass. Hmm. We're going with uh, the wife. <laughs> and, uh, no, he didn't even know his wife then. And uh, so I'm trying to think, but I, you know, y- Yakov Shmurnov used to do an impression of me uh, saying, oh, I, s- I just kissed him, I did not fuck him. <laughs> So I made out with a few guys. I kissed Kinnison in the um, behind the comedy store. Um, I kissed Jimmy Schubert before he slept with Mitzi Shore and then got into a motorcycle accident because I guess looking into the eyes of the devil <laughs> makes you want to kill yourself. Yeah, you know, I remember when I used to, uh, you know, make out with Mitzi over there. That's my Jimmy. Oh, but uh, Sorry, I'm trying to think Schubert. of who else. I'm like, whoa. I'm trying to think of who else I kissed. But I really, I, I tried not to get my honey where I got my money. No, it's Because smart. I had such body shame besides. I wasn't about to, you know, start flashing at the club, you know. And, uh, but, you know, guys would help me with my jokes and I didn't have to sleep with them. That was the beautiful thing. That is good. Yeah, I don't, aside from my wife, there's maybe one comic I slept with. And, uh eh. How'd, how'd that work out? Well, she's... uh, she doing okay now? She's doing... I think she's married now. And well, I meant career-wise. Oh, um, I think still she's still... performing, or did you kind of turn her out and make her want to go be a waitress? Well, I don't think I did. My, uh, my <laughs> If my penis had that power to convert comics out of the business, I would be fucking wow. everybody. yeah. Because only me would be left. Um, <laughs> Men, women, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I have no prejudice as long as it's only me out there. Um, I know you got to get going. But before you go, this is... It's not is like I have a big life. I have to go walk my dog. You have dog. to walk your dog, but yeah. that's adorable. And we got a show in, what, a almost a half hour or so? What time yeah. Is? Well, it's 841 Oh, crap. Right now. Right. I know. Well, well, I got here about nine minutes late. Well, that's, we were that's on to... you. <sighs> no, it's okay. But um, well, we got a half hour in there, and I think there's enough nasty stories. Oh, there's a lot of nasty happy. stories. We should, we, you know what? Can we maybe do more, like, in the next couple of days? It's not like you're going anywhere. I'm the only one with a car. Once that's, again. That's true. All right, then, you, yeah, you know what? Then this, then because, we will make if, this part what, one. But what else? Because you can ask me other questions. I want to ask you. I mean, the, the, what I want I've never really talked about, um, you know, I mean, I haven't told any. I've written chapters. I mean, I told you on our walk the other night about uh, Bobby Slayton telling right. me I was in the top five when but I wasn't. And I do get the O face from people when I tell them that. They go, ooh. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, 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 yeah. Oh. But I. But no, I, you have great stories, and like I said, I wanted to talk to you about because I've honestly um, not really gotten to really uh, talk to somebody who was there for the boom. And I really, was there, but I wasn't really in my body. So, but you were, but you were there. I you was s- physically there. Yeah, and you, and you were saw, still part of it. I saw everything. Yeah, I know where all the ex-wives are buried. <laughs> um, I know so much. I okay, really, well, you know what? Then, um, then later on this week, you'll come back and we'll do some more talking. How about that? 
Yeah. All right. So this is part one with Carrie Snow. So tune in next week for part two with Carrie Snow. Wow. dot com. right? Exactly. CarrieSnow.com. Go check her out. Uh, so we'll see you guys next week for a part two. I need two. to update my website. It's a little cartoony. Yeah. You know, my website, my webmaster is Wild Willie Parsons. So, <laughs> so you know <laughs> that I'm really rocking it. We got to love Wild Willie. Do you know him? I was on Last Comic Standing. Oh, with him. God, I love him. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye bye. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds.